This morning, we're going to continue um, in our series. If you're visiting with us, we're in the middle of a series of learning about what it looks like to live in the Spirit. And um, we really felt like the, the Lord highlighted that at least for the start of this um, pressing in to more of sort of walking in the Spirit or living by the Spirit, that we were to study the book of Galatians. And so we, we've been in that for several weeks now. Um, in chapter 3, that we looked at last week, we recognized the key of remembering the truth of the divine exchange. And, and we'll just go through this list real quick again. Um, these are some of the things that when you say yes to Jesus and you invite him into your heart, this is some of what happens, right? First, the, the premise is that Jesus, he laid down his life to give you life. It, it's yours. He, he said yes to God. I'm going to lay my life down that we could receive life. And then by faith, we lay down our lives to receive his life for us, right? We, we receive him inside of us. Jesus takes up residence in me. I become a son or a daughter. I'm clothed with Jesus. I become one in Christ with all other believers. I become a descendant of Abraham, and I become a co-heir to the promise. And um, as we enter into Galatians 4, Really, the main focus of Galatians 4 is going to be um, sort of pulling out these principles about being a son or a daughter, right, or being a co-heir with Christ. It's sort of he takes it another step, and so that's where we're going to be going this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave. Although he is owner of everything, but he is under um, guardians and managers until the date set by the father, so that we too, when we were children, were held in bondage other, under the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters." Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So when the fullness of time came, there was a set time for all of this to take place, right? So there was the covenant with Abraham way over here. Then you had a, 430 years later, you got Moses, right? And now that's when the law is introduced. And then after all of these years, here's Jesus who comes onto the scene. Right, the good news of great joy. Um, God sent Jesus. He was born under woman and also under the law. But Jesus is the redeemer, and He's the only redeemer. The law could never redeem us. Right? We looked at all of that in the in the first couple chapters of Galatians. What the law could never accomplish our redemption. It's impossible. Jesus is the only one who could redeem us. And Jesus opened the door for us to be adopted as sons and daughters by faith. So faith is a key piece, right? Just because it's so, Jesus adopts you as a son and daughter. If you don't receive it by faith, it really doesn't matter, does it? Like it's still true, but if you never say, I say yes to that, I'm going to be your son. I'm going to be your daughter to our heavenly father. It doesn't do you any good. Make sense? Um, let's see. Jesus sent his spirit into our hearts. 
which cries out Abba or Daddy. Abba is a term of affection. It's very different than the, the way that the Lord was looked at in the Old Testament. There was this a, a, a real sense of fear, right? We also walk in the fear of the Lord. We get that. There's an awe and reverence. But the fact that in our spirit now we have this term Daddy or Abba Father, it's based on relationship, this relational connection of resting in his delight. It's the same relational connection that Jesus had at his baptism, where the skies open up and, and you hear the voice of the, the, the heavenly father say to Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we've talked about this a bunch. Jesus hasn't done anything. What's God pleased in him for? It's who he is. It's my son. Right? We get that same sense of sonship or daughtership. Our heavenly father is well pleased with you based on nothing you've ever done. It's just who you are. It's a beautiful picture. Um, God's not a distant God. He's not a far off God. He's a really close, close God. And this connection, it's laden with peace and joy and hope and love. And it's the gospel of grace. And that's really what Paul's been talking to the Galatian disciples in these first few chapters is all about the gospel of grace. Right? It's that divine empowerment that we receive. It's not just unmerited favor, but it's a divine empowerment um, that comes from God to us that allows us to accomplish something we could never accomplish on our own. It's the beauty of grace. The, it goes on in verse 7. It says, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So we're no longer slaves. We're not just these ones who are meant to be just obedient. God, tell me what to do, and then I'll just do it. We become a son or a daughter. There's relational connection with us and our Heavenly Father. We get to share with him. We get to run into his room. We get to jump on his bed. We get to share our heart's desires. It's not just waiting for the next command. Go do this. Go do that, right? That's not our God. Will he tell you things to do? Yes, of course. Do I tell my kids what to do? Often. <laughs> do they always do it? Not always. Sometimes they come back with, but dad, right? It's the same with our heavenly father. Have you ever said, but dad? And not worried about getting lightning strike? <laughs> he wants our affection. He wants that connection. Um, we're sons and daughters, and we're also heirs which basically just means we get a share of the inheritance. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. What does that look like? What's part of our inheritance? Um, verse 8 says, However, at that time when you did not know God, you were slave to those, by which, um, to those which by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless, worthless elementary principles to which you want to be enslaved all over again? You meticulously, meticulously observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. So the Galatian believers, they received the gospel of grace when Paul was there, right? This, for those, um, if you're not 
haven't been with us, right? So Paul went on these two missionary journeys. He stopped at these locations, and these are churches that have been raised up out of those missionary journeys. Um, and now he's writing this letter. Um, they received the gospel of grace. They received sonship and daughtership. They embraced it. They became co-heirs with Christ. All of this was done. But now because there's some Jewish believers that are trying to convince them that they need to be circumcised and sort of realign themselves with part of the law, Paul's saying, why are you turning back? Why are you willing to be enslaved by the law or a religious spirit yet again? Why are you going to live a life based on striving instead of grace? Or why are you going to um, live a life doing, um, living a life by doing in an effort to earn something from God? When the reality is the gospel of grace says that you could never do it. Your job is just to receive it. And the Galatian disciples, they had got that when Paul was with them. And they were growing in that. But now they're starting to turn in a different way with a distorted gospel. Verse 12 says, I beg of you, brothers and sisters, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And you did not despise that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, nor express contempt. But you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I testify about you that if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. That speaks of a deep connection that he had with the disciples when he was in Galatia, that region. Um, so have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They, referring to the, the Jewish believers that are um, promoting this, this new practice, they eagerly seek you, not in a commendable way, but they want to shut you out so that you will seek them. But it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable way, and not only when I am present with you. My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, but I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone of voice, for I am at a loss about you. We talked about this last week, that, um, that Paul, as a missionary, raising up disciples in other regions, they become like your kids. They become that deep of connection that you really, really care. When we go to Guatemala and we sow into these, these um, staff and, in, and the students that are there, they become like children to us. It's an extension of our church family, right? So we're pastors of this church. You're like our children. Many of you are older than us. That's okay. But you're like children in our hearts. We would lay down our lives for each person that's in this room. It's just the reality. Something happens in the spirit. It's the same when you go on a missionary journey and you're raising up disciples. And Paul's heartbroken about the choices that his kids are making. Ultimately, he's really angry about those believers that are coming in and trying to sway them into what is not the gospel of grace. And he's expressing all of that. But he's re also reminding the Galatians, um, the believers, to remember who he is. Do you remember who I was when I was with you? And then... Um, also to remember their heart for him, right? That like when he was with them in person, this is how you received me. 
Is it different now because somebody's telling you something different, right? Now that I'm an enemy for telling you the truth? Um, Paul's saying, remember that I have your best interest at heart. I really, really care about you. You're like my children. And he, he, um, he reestablishes his commitment to fight on their behalf for the truth of the gospel that's growing inside of them and through them, just like it is in Paul. That's that sense of, I wish you could be like me. Paul's convinced of his sonship. He's convinced of his being a co-heir with Christ. He's sold out. He's willing to do whatever it takes to share that message of grace all over the world, wherever he finds himself, right? To the highest leaders and to the, the lowest people, right? Whatever. He's willing. And he's calling the Galatians back up to that standard. In verse 21, it says, tell me, you who want to be under law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one by the free woman. But the son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the freed woman through the promise. This is speaking allegorically, for these women are two covenants, one coming from Mount Sinai, giving birth to children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is enslaved with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, infertile one, you who do not give birth. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one are more numerous than those of the one who has a husband. And you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as that, at that time, the son who was born according to the flesh persecuted the one who was born according to the spirit. So it is even now. But what does the scripture say? Drive out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not children of a slave woman, but of the free woman. So Paul's reminding the Galatian believers that they, like Isaac, are children of promise, born according to the Spirit. They're no longer in bondage or in slavery to sin or to a religious spirit, or to fear. They're not subject to that anymore. But they're free by grace to live by faith. Right? Under the law, you had all these constrictions, and it was embedded with a religious spirit and fear of what was being presented to the people. And that's what they're trying to be forced back into, this sense of fear that comes with the law, that somehow you, you're going to mess up. You're going to do it wrong. But the gospel of grace says that you're free by faith. Um, the enemy wanted them to give up their freedom that came from the gospel of grace to embrace the shackles of slavery yet again. Or the law of the religious spirit. And, and we're not going to get into all the details about Hagar and this mountain and that mountain, right? So that's a different study. Really, the reality for us is, what does it have to do with learning how to walk in the Spirit? And so, the question that I feel like God's highlighting is, or that he's um, focusing on this morning, is, is the recognition that we also, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're a child of the promise. And you're born according to the Spirit, if you have that relationship.
If you're in the room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we can talk about that, right? But some of the things that we're going to look at in this next section talks about your inheritance. That's what's available to you, to anybody, if you're listening on the podcast, when you say yes to Jesus and invite him into your heart. These things happen. We're going to get there. Um, but, But if you are a child of the promise, born according to the Spirit, because you have a relationship with Jesus then you're no longer in bondage or in slavery to sin. It doesn't have a hold on you anymore unless you give it. You're no longer in bondage to a religious spirit. The shoulds doesn't have any power over you anymore. Has no power unless you give it. You're no longer in bondage to fear. It's not just a natural thing that you're supposed to experience. It's actually a work of the enemy to rob you of life. And Jesus paid for it so that you don't have to be in bondage to that ever again. But we, you, are free by grace to live by faith. It's what you have. It's who you are. The second question that I have in my mind as I was prepping this that sort of came out of left field from the Holy Spirit is, how significant is your birthright? And how easily are you willing to let it go? And he highlighted Genesis chapter 25, right? We know, we know Abraham had Isaac. Isaac was this promise, right? Through the crazy whole story. We're not going to get into. But Isaac had two sons. He had Esau and Jacob. And if you want to turn there, you can. Genesis 25, it's just a short passage. But starting in verse 27, it says, When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter a man of the field, but Jacob was a civilized man living in tents. Now, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. When Jacob had cooked a stew one day, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a mouthful of that red stuff there for I'm exhausted. Therefore, he was called Edom by name. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what of what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first swear to me. And so he swore an oath to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and got up and went on his way. So Esau despised his birthright. A birthright has to do both with position and inheritance. Um. By birthright, the firstborn son inherited the leadership of the family. So they were in line to be the next leader. They also, um, they also inherited the judicial authority of the father. They had the same authority as their father. And Esau was tired and hungry. <laughs> and he gave up his birthright for a bowl of stew and some bread. The scripture says that Esau despised his birthright. What does that mean? I think it means that Esau didn't see that his birthright was valuable or something to be treasured or to fight for. Um, As a son or daughter of God and a co-heir with Christ, these are some of the things you inherit. This is not an exhaustive list. But this is some of what you get when you say yes to Jesus and invite him into your heart. It's automatic. You, you, you can't earn these things. They all come by grace. Something that he did for you. 
It's re released to you. And you, they all have to be received by faith. Eternal life. Access to the Father without fear. The ability to know God and be known by him, which is his heart's desire. He wants to be known by you, but he also, um, he wants to know you, right? We think he knows us, right? Because he created us. The authority to rule and to reign with Jesus. You're not meant to be subservient, right? We're supposed to be humble like Jesus, but we step right into a place of authority to rule and to reign. Freedom from fear. Love, power, and a sound mind, right? So that's in Timothy, right? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a sound mind. Um, favor with God and with man. And then wisdom, comfort, and an advocate in the Holy Spirit. These are all things that are part of your inheritance. Are there aspects of your birthright or your inheritance that you easily give away? It's not a rhetorical question, right? And it's really between you and the Lord. You're the only one who knows. I'm going to ask a couple questions to try to sort of pull it out. But when you're tired or weary, do you give away your joy, your peace, or your hope? When life's really hard and you're, you're worn out, how much do you fight for your peace? How much do you fight for joy? Joy is a choice, right? We can choose joy at any time, even when I'm exhausted and completely tired or worn out. I can choose joy. It's a substance of heaven that is, I can have unlimited. It's a fruit of the Spirit. How do I get joy? I just connect with the Holy Spirit. I can't muster up joy. I can't, like, it's, it's like telling a seed to produce fruit. If the tree just fights hard, pops now. How does, how does fruit grow? Right? It's nourished by water and the nutrients of the soil and the sunlight. And then all of a sudden fruit comes. It stays connected. It's that abide in me, right? And, and so there's a sense of if I want joy, even if I'm exhausted and weary and life feels horrible, I can connect with the Holy Spirit and I can have joy. I can fight for that. Does that make sense? Um, when adversity comes your way, do you give in to the intimidator? Or do you embrace the dominion that you have been given over the enemy? Do you feel like someone who has dominion over the things in your sphere? Stuff that's happening at work, stuff that's happening in your neighborhood, stuff that's happening in your family, your extended family, stuff that's happening in our cities. Do you have dominion? Or is it a lie? Or do you easily give it away and say, you know what? I'm going to settle for intimidation because I'm used to it. And when I look at everybody around me in the body of Christ, it seems like they're used to it too. But we're meant to walk in dominion, right, with Jesus. We're meant to walk in the authority to rule and reign, to speak to the storm, be still. And it responds. That's part of our inheritance. Do you receive guilt or shame from the enemy 
that robs you from freely accessing the Father without fear. The enemy wants you to think that guilt and shame, that's natural. You're supposed to experience that. And yet Jesus on the cross and through the cross, he took our guilt and shame. You don't have any unless you take it in. You don't have to have any guilt or shame. It's already been paid for. How easily do you give away your birthright, your inheritance? Um, Do you fight for your right to view your circumstances from heaven's perspective? That's that sound mind. Sound mind is seeing things as he sees it. Or do you easily give it away to the spirit of fear? Part of growing in walking in the spirit or living by the spirit I'm learning um, is is growing in our ability to fight for what's rightfully yours. And the Holy Spirit, he, he really is at the ready. He's available to teach us and to guide us into this. Um, his goal is going to be always to lead us into a greater measure of abundant life. Jesus, when he ascended, he said, it's really good that I ascend to the Father because then the Holy Spirit can come. He's going to remind you about everything, right, that Jesus did and all that's true about that. He's also going to lead you through wisdom and comfort and guide your steps in everything that you face. In the Holy Spirit, he likes what he does, (laughs) and he's really good at it. And we have access to him 24-7. We have to choose to access it. We're going to throw um, up another key. If you're just visiting, we have two keys that we've learned so far. But the third key that we've we've got out of Galatians is going to be this. Um, To regularly invite the Holy Spirit to shine light. We'll stop for a second. When the Holy Spirit shines light, is it to condemn you? Is it to con- it's it's um, to basically make you aware that there's something going on in your life or something you're saying yes to that's not of Him, right? And if He highlights it, He's going to empower you. He's already at work, but He's going to empower you to to walk in the opposite and to have freedom from that area. Um, so he regularly regularly invite the Holy Spirit to shine light on any area that you tend to easily give away your birthright and invite him to share wisdom and strategy for you to grow in embracing and fighting for your inheritance. That's the key. Partnering with the Holy Spirit. Saying, Lord, will you show me any area that I tend to easily give away my birthright And then what's your wisdom? What's the strategy? He gives us wisdom, all wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom in James, it says, ask. But then receive it without doubting. Because as soon as you start doubting, it's like you're a tossed ship, right? Like the reality is, if you 
Lisa's going to teach this class about how to hear the voice of the Lord, right, <laughs> to these, these students down in Guatemala. We can hear the voice of the Lord. Every single person, you were created to hear God's voice, and you hear it well. You have to believe that by faith, right? And then step out in it. I'm jumping around, but bottom line is that if I ask him for wisdom and a strategy, then I have to listen to what I hear and then walk it out um, and grow in embracing and fighting for my inheritance. I'll give you just one practical example. I, this is not my notes, but I just heard this. We were, we were, and it's, it's random how God will speak to you. He, he's already working in our lives. You think you're facing something and it's brand new. He's actually been preparing you for that from way back here. He's, he's been giving you scriptures. He's been connecting you with people. There's books that you're reading. There's things that are just like songs that you've worshipped. There's embedded with truth. And it's all setting you up for this, this moment right here. And you just don't know what the next thing, the next key or the piece that he's going to give you. One of the things that when I am um, maxed out in life with my kids and wife and um, ministry and all that kind of stuff, right, um, I can get stressed. And that's not from the Lord. God's shown me over the course of really three years, he really has taught me that any fear or anxiety, it's a temptation. I have a temptation to either embrace that or to reject it. It's a, it's a, a strategy of the enemy to rob me of life. So when I start feeling it, I don't have to receive it. I used to think I don't have a choice. When I was a kid or when I was growing up in um, my 20s or whatever like that, I thought anxiety was just a, re- it's a regular part of life. It's an inheritance. I inherited it from my mother. <laughs> I really did. And the reality is that God has shown me that's just not true. That's a bunch of malarkey. The reality is it's a temptation of the enemy, and I get a choice. As soon as I start feeling it, what am I going to do with that? What I heard at this conference a couple weeks ago was a marriage conference. had nothing to do with fear. This woman said, peace is your portion. Never heard it said that way before. What that reminded me of as I'm prepping for this this, um, sermon is that peace is part of my inheritance. It's my portion. I can hold it like this or I can easily give it away. When the spirit of fear comes and tries to wrap me up in anxiety and stress, what I tend to do is I give my peace away and I take a spirit of fear And I allow that to rule and reign in my body, my mind, and my emotions. Does that make sense? I don't have to do that. But my tendency, my habit, has been to just give away my peace and embrace this new thing. What would it look like for me to fight for my inheritance? It's when I'm in that crossroads to say, you know what? No, I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to stand on the truth. Peace is my portion, and I'm going to hold on to my peace. How am I going to learn how to do that? The Holy Spirit, who's going to give me wisdom and strategy to show me how to actually live that out. It's not just a good idea. It's actually a weapon of warfare that I can resist the devil. What happens if we resist the devil? He flees. It's part of the word. Is it true or not? Have you ever resisted the devil and it felt like he didn't go anywhere? Yes, I've experienced that. But if I stay true to resisting him, my experience has always been he leaves. And so with anything that you easily give up your birthright, there's a strategy that the Lord wants to show you how not to do that. But you will be met with resistance. 
If you stand in that place, the enemy will leave you alone in that area. He'll try to bombard and get you in another area, right? It's just what he does. But, and we don't need to be afraid about that because the reality is that any way that the enemy tries to come against us, God has a greater strategy for victory and to lead us into life. It's who he is. And he's relentless, just like Jesus. He, he came to, to lead people into abundant life, to reveal the Father's heart. It hasn't changed. The Father's heart hasn't changed. I'm going to do anything I can for my kids to lead them into a greater measure of life. Where did that come from? My heavenly father is part of being a good dad. It was instilled in me in my spirit somewhere along the lines. I'm supposed to reflect my father. As a son or a daughter, you're meant to reflect the father. People can see my earthly father in me, not just because we look similar. They see his nature, his character, as I live my life. It's the same with our heavenly father. And Galatians 4 is really all about that we have a heavenly father, that you are sons and daughters when you say yes to Jesus. You're adopted into the family, and you get to say, Abba, Father, or Daddy, my Daddy, the one who loves me. I can rest in your delight. I can live out of that place. That's what God wants to release today to our house. That's the key to walking in the spirit or living by the spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for um, your truth. I thank you again for your yes in that divine exchange that affords us all these things, that whole list of our inheritance um, things that, that you have um, paved the way for us to receive by faith. And we just celebrate it. I thank you. To, um, it's an honor and a joy to be called a son or a daughter, um, to be a co-heir with you. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're going to be guiding us and revealing any ways that we um, easily give up our birthright or inheritance, any lies that we've been believing about that. We just thank you that this week you're going to start shining your light and you're going to expose that. Again, not to bring about condemnation, but to actually to lead us into a greater measure of life. And then I thank you that anything you reveal, that you already have a wisdom and strategy to show us what does it look like to walk in the different way, right? To walk in the truth of fighting for and holding on to our birthright, our inheritance. And we just celebrate that. You're so good. Lord, I pray that you would release an excitement or an anticipation across the congregation. And really to anybody who's listening on the podcast as well. I, I just pray that there would be an increased sense of hope that good things are coming your way. Because you, we worship a good God, a good father who loves us and who's all powerful to accomplish the things that he desires to accomplish. And one of the things he loves to accomplish is to lead us into greater measures of life. And so we can get excited today because the Holy Spirit's going to be shining his light and relaunching us into um, walking in the truth of what you paid for, Jesus. We get to live that out. Yeah. And we ask that you would seal all that you've done here so far today. And I pray that um, for anybody who struggles 
with knowing to the core of who they are the truth of your love and your delight. I pray that today and this week would be a powerful time of encountering you in a fresh way. Lord, just like Jesus, that we would be able to to do what you invite us into doing (laughs) because of who we are as ones who are dearly and deeply loved by you. And we ask for you to fight on our behalf and for those ones who wrestle with feeling loved and being loved. And would you give wisdom and strategy around that? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And then lastly, we just say, Holy Spirit, we, we want more of you more of your presence in our lives, we do want to walk with you at the full capacity of what that looks like. We want to live by the Spirit. And so we just ask as a house, would you come and teach us afresh? Would you lead us anew into these things, the deep things of God, the high things of God? We just want to be where you are and to partner with you more. For the life that it brings us personally, but also the life that it brings um, everyone in our sphere of influence and in our regions where we live, we, we just thank you in advance for what you're doing. And we declare it's a good work. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.